to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. This is the week of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is Thursday. And there are certain things that we associate with Thanksgiving. Family, food, and I knew somebody was going to say football. I didn't expect it to be my wife. I was thinking fellowship, but how many of you thought football? Oh, come on, you are lying. Enjoy your football. That's okay. Just make sure you have plenty of the family and the food and the fellowship. All right? All right. But you know, what is Thanksgiving all about? It should be all about its name. It's about giving thanks. It's about appreciating. It's about being grateful. And and it's certainly worthwhile to be thankful and grateful to the people of our lives who have such a positive influence to our family members and our friends. But it was originally designed and planned to be thankful to God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's not the title of the message. But I was just thinking about all the things that we've been through the last couple of years and this year and the struggles that we have. And I know that this year is not any different. We have struggles. I mean, life is just good stuff and bad stuff all mixed together, right? But there are times that we sometimes go through, it seems extra good or extra difficult. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I couldn't help but think today... For us, for you, do you have more to be thankful for than usual this year? Or maybe do you have less than usual to be thankful for this year? And and that's nothing wrong with admitting that, man, I've had more difficulties this year than usual. Because I didn't state that you didn't want to be thankful at all. But in the midst of all that we go through, how are we dealing with that as far as our relationship with God? in our expression of thanksgiving to him. Sometimes it's easier and sometimes it is harder because of the blessings of life and the difficulties of life. The title of my message today is Always Thankful. Always Thankful. We're going to read just three verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to very quickly give you the background of this. Thessalonians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, which is in Greece, northern Greece. Paul started that church year... Well, I can't say years before. It may have been just less than a year. Anyway, he started that church. And if you read the story in Acts, in fact, um, the story of Thessalonica is in Acts 17. Uh, Paul goes to Thessalonica, and as he always does with his commands, he goes to the synagogue to tell the Jewish people about Jesus, because Jesus is their Messiah. And many of the Jewish people in the synagogue recognized the truth that he brought because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And they became believers in Jesus as their Messiah. But the Jews who rejected that got very upset and they started a riot. Now, I've said many times that wherever Paul went, there was either a revival or a riot. In most of the cases, there was both. But when we say a riot, we don't mean just people got upset. There literally was a riot in the streets and the people were afraid for Paul's life. They hid him and his companions. They rushed them out of town overnight and on down the road where he continued to preach and all that kind of stuff. 
But the good news was that Paul had been there long enough and been able to give them enough truth and the work of the Holy Spirit was so anchored in their hearts that church continued to grow. The believers continued to mature in their faith in spite of tremendous persecution. A little bit later on down the road, Paul is a little worried about this. He's concerned about the church. So he writes this letter to them. And in this letter, he is doing everything he can to encourage them. He's gotten word back from them that they are really suffering persecution, that they've got some concerns because they've had some family members that have died and they don't know what's going to happen. I mean, because they hadn't had any teaching yet. What happened? And this is the great passage where Paul says, don't be worried about them. You know, they've died, but they're with the Lord. And when the Lord comes back, they're going to get to meet him before we do. You know, we're all going to be caught up together in the air. That's part of this book. But he's encouraging because they have gone through much affliction. They have lost loved ones. They're very concerned about the future. Does that sound familiar? I mean, some of you this year recently have lost loved ones. But even if you haven't, probably the other two things of of concern. It's like, what does the future hold? And I'm going through some difficulties. Maybe you're not facing persecution, but you're facing difficulties. And so a lot of what Paul says in this letter applies to us, as is true of all of God's word. But when we get to chapter 5, it's the very, very end, and he encourages them to be prepared for when Jesus comes back, because he just talked about that. He gives them some final instructions and some encouragement, and it's just one thing after another after another. And right before the passage we're going we're to read, he talks to them about how important it is that they maintain close personal relationships so that they're for each other and they're with each other and they encourage one another and they support one another and that's a whole nother message that we need to hear today too but that brings us to the verses that we're looking at first Thessalonians chapter 5 starting in verse 16 Paul says rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's it. Not a long passage today. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I started out this week to develop this into a three-point sermon, okay, with... Pray without ceasing is the, oh, that's the middle one. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then give thanks. And I thought, oh, there's just too much here. So I decided to turn it into a mini-series. So today starts a three-Sunday mini-series, God willing, just called Always. Always. These are things that Paul tells us we should always do, and not just because they're good, but they're God's will for us. Now, I'm doing them in reverse order because the last one is being thankful, and this is the week of Thanksgiving. So, today we're talking about always thankful. Next week, we're going to talk about always prayerful, when he says pray without ceasing. And then the following week, we're going to talk about always joyful. Always joyful. He says rejoice always. These three things are so important. These three things are things that we need to make a part of our life, and not just our life, but our lifestyle. So we can live a life that is pleasing to God, but also these are the things that we need to get through life and to do so in a positive way, to get through in victory, to get through without feeling like life is so pressing us down, we can barely survive. And if you're there, I understand that. We still wrestle with those feelings. But these are the things that as part of God's will, if we incorporate into our life, 
we will find life so much better. And, and they're sort of like a, uh, sort of like a three-legged stool. Okay, how many legs of a three-legged stool do you need for that stool to be stable? All three. Now, you got an office chair, like in my office, it's got five kind of spindly legs, and if the wheel falls off of one of them, it's not nice, but you're okay. You got a four-legged stool, and one of the legs is shorter than the others, or is messed up, you can, you can manipulate it to kind of balance, but you got a three-legged stool, and one of them's missing, you're in trouble. So these three things are important, so I encourage you to follow along today, but also the next two weeks as we take a look at this. And again, just to emphasize, these are not just good things to do. These are not just good things to have in your life. These are not just good habits you should try to work in. These are things that Paul says, this is God's will for you. I don't know about you, but for most of my life, I've had this burden, this desire this passion, this pursuit of God, what is your will? I want your will in my life. And for many of the details of our life, we got to do exactly that. we got to seek God because we don't know and he's going to let us know. And he will let us know. If you really have a heart to know the will of God, he will make it known to you. But there are certain things that are stated very specifically in God's word that this is God's will. So I think when we see that, we should pay real close attention to it. And before we go on to talk about the fact that one of them is that we should always be thankful, I want to talk to you about the most important aspect of God's will that we know. And that is that it is God's will that every human being have a personal, healthy relationship with him. But the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ. We know that from 2 Peter chapter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow... To fulfill his promise. Some people would say, well, where's Jesus at? He promised to come back. He hasn't come back yet. Why not? And Peter's responding to that. He says, the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing, same word for willing, not willing, it's his will, it's not his will, that any should perish. But willing that all should reach repentance. So before we talk about this whole idea of being thankful, always thankful, I just want to make very clear that this is the most important message you need to hear today if you've not applied it to your life, that God loves you, that God wants a personal relationship with you, but all by yourself that can't happen because we are all sinners separated from God, every single one of us. And to summarize it very succinctly, there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. And unfortunately, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Separation from God, not just now and here, but for all eternity. But that same verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Basically, what it comes down to is that Jesus, God himself, came to earth to live a perfect life that we can't live. And when he died upon a cross, he died undeservedly. But in God's scheme of things, that paid the price for our sins. So I just want to say from the very beginning, if you get nothing else out of this message, if you're here today or you're watching online or you're watching later or listening later and you do not have a relationship with God because you put your trust in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to turn to him. This verse tells us how to do it. Peter says... That God is not willing for any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
The Bible is full of repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. We repent of our sin. We're sorry, God, forgive me. And we believe that Jesus took care of it. So right at the beginning, I just want to tell you that if you don't know Jesus, I invite you to come to know him today by repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in him. So let's jump into what we want to talk about here. I just want to go through this verse and talk about some basic ideas that are incorporated, even just these few words. It says here that we should give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. I think we all know what thanks are. Thanks is an expression of gratitude or appreciation toward anybody. You know, we can express thanks to our spouse. We can express thanks to our parents, to our children, to anybody who's had any impact, influence, done anything, given anything. If it's appropriate, we give thanks. Obviously, today we're talking about giving thanks to God, but thanks is an expression of gratitude or appreciation. But Paul says here that we should give thanks. You say, well... That's just kind of understood, isn't it? But I want you to compare give thanks with be thankful. Now, you might say they're the same thing, aren't they? No. You can be thankful without giving thanks. A story I think of immediately is in Luke chapter 11 when Jesus is going on with his disciples and these lepers come up and say, Jesus, heal us. And for whatever reason, Jesus always did things differently. He says, okay, go show yourselves to the priests because you got to do that when you're healed. But they weren't healed when they left. It was a step of faith for them to say, okay, well, let's head that way. And, and they did, and they were all healed. Some of you are familiar with the story. How many of them actually came back to thank Jesus? One. Does that mean the other nine weren't thankful that they were healed? No, I guarantee you that they were thankful. They just didn't take time to go back and give thanks. And so I emphasize that today because I think that most of us say, I'm a thankful person. And especially if we have a relationship with God and we know how he's worked in our lives, say, oh, I'm so thankful that God saved me from my sins. So thankful that he provides for me day to day. I'm so glad he answered this prayer. I'm so glad he answered that prayer. Sometimes we get to more maturity. We say, Lord, I'm so glad you didn't answer that one prayer now that I look back on it. But But we are thankful. The thing is, is do we actually express those things? Do we give those things? And that's one of the focuses of Thanksgiving. But I would tell you that it needs to be the focus of our life. Always thankful. Always thankful. It's just built into our life. It's built into our habits. It's built into our prayer life. We see it in Scripture. Anytime somebody comes to God, except when it's got to be really quick, Like Peter calling out to Jesus, save me, I'm sinking, you know. Every prayer almost we see recorded in God's word starts out with praise and thanksgiving. Even prayers that are offered in times of crisis. We need to give thanks. Not just be thankful, but give thanks. Give thanks. Why is it that we sometimes don't give thanks? To God, to others? I'll be honest with you, I think... Sometimes because we're not thankful. Sometimes somebody does thing or whatever, we just think we deserve it. Sometimes I think we just get so self-focused and so wrapped up in our circumstances that we just forget or whatever. So today, just be a reminder to give thanks. Notice he says, as he goes on to give thanks in all circumstances. And I want to focus on that word for in. 
He says, give thanks in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. Paul's not telling us that we should be thankful when we have a heart attack because we had a heart attack. Paul's not saying we should be thankful that our car broke down and it's going to cost us $500 to fix it. Because it broke down, it's going to cost us $500 to fix it. We're not thankful for that, but we should be thankful in that. And we'll talk about why in just a moment. We should be thankful in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. Although there is an aspect that even the circumstances that come our way that are difficult, if we cooperate with God, he can turn them around to good. And later on, we can actually thank God for the difficult circumstance because of the good. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I think of some examples in Scripture. I think of Paul and Silas. I mentioned to you about how Paul went to Thessalonica to found the church there. If you jump back to the previous chapter in Acts chapter 16, Paul has just left Philippi where he had found another church. And pretty much the same thing that happened in Thessalonica had already happened in Philippi. He had preached. People had become believers. Some people were happy about that. Some people were upset. He and Silas were arrested. They were beaten. They were put in stocks in prison. And prisons then were not like prisons in our culture today. They were basically a hole in the ground full of human waste and all that. Anyway, they were in stocks. And at midnight, they are praising Jesus. And it says, God sent an earthquake, shook the whole thing, set them free. Neat story. But the point is, they didn't know that God was going to do that. If they'd have known that God was going to do that because they were praising him, you know, all of us are like, praise you, Jesus, come on, go ahead, send the earthquake. They didn't know that. But they are praising the Lord in spite of the fact that they had been arrested and beaten, were locked up in an uncomfortable position in stocks in this nasty place. How could they do that? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But the point is, is they weren't praising God because they'd experienced all that. But in spite of. They were thanking God in the circumstances, maybe not necessarily for the circumstances. I think of Daniel. When there were other leaders in the nation that were trying to put Daniel down and they, they manipulated the king to make this proclamation that nobody could pray to anybody except for the king for 30 days And it says that Daniel went and prayed anyway, just like he always did. But I find it interesting to note that when it says that he went to pray, he went specifically giving thanks. And again, I think he was giving thanks in the circumstance, maybe not necessarily because of or for the circumstance. I think of Jesus himself. The verse I'm getting ready to read, it doesn't mention thanks, but the idea is there. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that we should look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How could Jesus have joy in the presence, in the, in the experience of being on the cross and facing the cross and doing the cross? It's because he knew it was going to come out of that experience. I believe that he wasn't thanking God for the cross, but in the midst of the, or in spite of the cross. The joy was there. So we thank God in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. 
But you know, there are times, as I alluded to already, that we may go through a situation or have something happen to us or whatever, and it's like, oh, this is terrible. Can't ever imagine thanking God for this. I'll thank Him in it because I'm going to work on my faith. But then we get down the road and we look back and say, oh, Lord, what you did because of that? I actually thank you for that. Have you ever had a situation where you use that phrase that's somewhat familiar, that was a blessing in disguise? What do we mean by that? We mean that something happened we didn't like, but later on it's like, okay, I'm glad it happened because that was a blessing in disguise. I believe that many times God wants to give us more blessings in disguise, even though we don't like them at that immediate moment. Blessings in disguise. I think of Joseph, one of the 12 brothers sons of Jacob and he was his father's favorite and the other sons really got upset about that many of you may know the story but if you don't his brothers basically sold him into slavery to Egypt Uh, one of his brothers wanted to actually put him to death but uh, the other ones talked him out of that he was sold into slavery and he suffered in many ways he had ups and downs God blessed him but then it seemed like the enemy just smashed him back down again then God would bless him and the enemy is smashed him back down but in the process he actually became second in charge of the nation of Egypt his brothers came to Egypt to get some food because there was a famine long story you can read about at the end of Genesis but when his brothers find out that he's not only alive but he's the one that's in charge of giving out the food second in charge of Egypt and they realize that he has every right and maybe even the inclination to have them all put to death they're afraid for their lives and look what Joseph says in Genesis 50 verse 20 he says as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today Basically, Joseph said, it's a blessing in disguise. You sold me into slavery. One of you wanted to kill me, but it was a blessing in disguise. Now our whole family is going to be able to live. Those things happen sometimes. The last thing I want to point out before we go on to just the application really quickly is he says, we should give thanks in all circumstances. All. All. Not just some. But all. Not just the good, but the bad. Again, you don't have to thank God for the bad, but thank God in the bad. You know, giving thanks in good circumstances is just basically a sign of good manners. That's what used to be anyway expected. That's what people used to do anyway. I mean, we seem to have a little bit of a decrease in that in our culture today, but it was just expected, considered normal and polite if someone did something, gave something or whatever that you said, thanks. It's not hard. That's why many of us taught our children when someone gave them something or did something nice and say, and they didn't say anything, we say, what do you say? Thank you. You know, we try to train our kids that way. But if giving thanks in good circumstances is a sign of good manners, I want to tell you that giving thanks in difficult or bad circumstances is a sign of faith. When we can thank God even though things are falling apart around us, when we can thank God when we've got that difficult health report, when we can thank God because our car did break down and we've got to fix it and where's the money going to come from, when we can thank God because this is happening and that is happening, in spite of that is a sign of faith. Because it's basically saying, God, I don't understand this and I don't like this, but I'm going to trust you and I know you love me and I know you're looking out for me. So in faith, I'm going to say, thank you, God, anyway. 
And in faith, thank you that you got an answer to this. Even when I don't know what it is yet. But I'm not trying to say that's easy because it's not. When you lose your job, got that financial difficulty, when your health is falling apart, when there's a death, a broken relationship. I think of another great example, probably one of the most extreme would be Job. Job was a righteous man and God bragged on him to the enemy and the enemy says, yeah, it's because you blessed him so much. He says, take away those blessings, let's see what he does. God told Satan, go ahead, take away, do whatever you want, just don't touch Job. And so the enemy basically caused circumstances that all his kids got killed, all his flocks were stolen, all his crops were stolen or burned. There were natural disasters that brought chaos to his property. And he still praised God. And God said, see? And Satan says, that's because you didn't do anything to him. God says, okay, do something to him. Just don't take his life. And then Satan put his hand on him and caused him to suffer tremendously. And the one verse that stands out to me is Job 121 when he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I didn't have anything when I came into this world. I won't have anything when I go out. I'm still going to thank God. Now, again, I'm not saying that was easy. You read the book of Job. Job had a lot of complaints about how life was going for him. Job had a lot of questions. Job had a lot of frustrations. And his best friends that came to support him turned on him. I mean, he just had one thing after another and he struggled. But yet God said Job was still good. Job was still righteous, even in the midst of all that turmoil. And in the midst of it, he still thanked God. You know, we have to recognize, or we have to admit, or we have to really put our faith in the fact that God has control over all circumstances. Are we going to trust him in the bad ones as well as the good ones? And not just when we feel like it, but all the time. Always thankful. Always thankful. So how can we apply this real quickly before we wrap this up? Why should or how can we be thankful in all circumstances? Because some of you may be sitting here or watching online or listening to this or watching it later and say, okay, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I understand the truth of it, but it is tough right now. I'd like to do this. How? How can I do this? Let me give you four things real quick. Number one, always try to focus on the positive. Now, if you were looking for something really deep and earth-shattering and new revelation, that's not it. How many times were you told growing up, look at the positive? How many times have you heard that message? It's not just a good piece of advice. It's biblical. Always try to focus on the positive. Look on the bright side. I'm not saying you should be in denial, There's a very fine line between denial and faith, but it's there. Be a person of faith to look on the positive without being in denial. You know, I was looking on the internet um, for some graphics just for fun, you know, for always thankful. And this one phrase kept popping up, kept popping up. If you type it into your web browser saying always thankful, this one phrase will keep popping up and it's this. There is always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. No matter how high the pile gets of things that we're not thankful for, that we wish weren't there, look for the things to be thankful for. 
Paul says in Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, and he includes the sisters in there too. It's, it's implied. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, it comes down to where you're going to put your thoughts, is where, what you're going to focus on, where you're going to put your mind. Again, you don't have to be in denial. And you have to think about the negative, especially if there's something you've got to do to take care of it. I'm not saying ignore your problems, just let them get worse and worse and worse and worse. Do what you're responsible for. But just don't wallow in the yuck. Focus on the positive. So many practical ways to do this. I've encouraged this almost every year. I've brought a message on Thanksgiving sometime this week. As we approach Thanksgiving, sit down. And whether you just do it in your head, it'd be a lot better to do it actually writing it down or typing it up. Make a list of all the things that you are thankful for. Okay? And I'll tell you how I like to do it because it actually kills two birds with one stone. You know, do two things at once. I'm always, always about saving time and everything. Is When I do this, I do it in prayer. Because I'm not only making the list, but I'm thanking God for it while I'm doing it. Can I tell you that this has happened so many times that I've said, today I'm not going to ask God for anything. Today I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to thank Him. And it's my goal to go back all the way to my earliest memory and work my way through my life and just start thanking God for every good thing that he did. Whether I knew it was him at that time or not, but thank him for every good thing. And there's times I've gone through, it's taken me over an hour, and, I don't, and I'm not repeating stuff. Just thinking of all of God's goodness in my life. Say, Pastor, you've lived a blessed life. Yes, I have. Pastor, you must not have had very many bad things happen. No, that's not true. I could make almost as long of a list of all the bad things that have happened through my life too. But that's the whole point. I don't want to have no intent in sitting down to make a list of all the terrible things that happened in my life. I just had this thought, maybe you know some people that actually do that. Maybe not literally, but that's all they ever focus on is all the bad things that ever happened in their life. What kind of people are they? (laughs) Do you want to be like them? Make a list. Express it to God. I really should write them down. And then every time I do it, see if I can add to it. Think of some more. That'd be, be awesome. It'd get kind of long, but always try to focus on the positive. Second thing, this doesn't sound positive, but remember, things could be worse. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a very positive thing, but, but truly, things could be a lot worse. Okay? You know, just basically, we're talking about spiritual things, we're talking about relationship with God. If God did what he had every right to do, he could send us all to hell without batting an eye and we would deserve it. But he loves us too much. And that's why he sent Jesus and Jesus came and he paid the price for our sins. And we still don't, fool the pay, we still don't pay the full price for our sins. Now I know when we sin, there's consequences. That's a good thing. It teaches us a lesson. It helps us to get back with God and repent and all that. There's consequences to sin. But he still doesn't treat us fully as our sins deserve. I love what um, the psalmist said in Psalm 103.10. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. We don't get what we truly deserve. 
And in so many situations, things could be worse. You know, I think it's something my wife and I are facing right now. You know, she had to go to the hospital a couple of weeks ago because of a number of factors, passing out, hitting her head, a lot of tests that were run and everything. And we're just now starting to get those bills in of what that uh, about 36-hour stay in the hospital is going to cost. And all I can say is one of the thank God is thank God for good insurance. But even with good insurance, oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. God's going to help. This is all going to work out. I'm not worried about it. Now, God's going to take care of it. But, but you know what? Even in the midst of all that, she's alive. All the tests came back clear. All the tests say there's nothing wrong with her heart or her gallbladder or whatever. Still don't know what's causing the symptoms and what brought that initial thing about. But she's good. Things could have been worse. I don't even want to say it out loud. I could be planning a funeral. She could have had a heart attack. She could be debilitated in any number of ways. And that's true for any and every one of us. No matter what God allows us to go through in life or whatever we bring on ourselves, because sometimes we bring junk on ourselves because we're just stupid or disobedient or whatever, it always could be worse, but God's looking out for us. So remember, things could be worse. The third thing, in our weakness, God will make us strong. At least that's God's intent. That's God's plan. That's what God wants to do. When we're weak, when we're struggling, when we're going through difficulties, we can just, I mean, we will struggle against that and everything, but we can choose to say, God, I don't like this. Like I said, I don't like this. I don't understand this, uh, but I'm going to trust you. What do you want me to learn from this? What, what good thing do you want to bring out of this? How do you want this to change me? How can, you know, how, how can I become stronger as a result of this? You know, the only way we become stronger is through difficulty. I mean, that's what weight training is all about, right? You push yourself to do the difficult, to suffer the difficult so you can get stronger. The same, same thing can happen to us emotionally and relationally and, and all that. And I'm not saying go out and go home and pick a fight with a family member because you know that when you make up, you'll be stronger. You don't need to do it on purpose because it's going to happen anyway somewhere along the line. But you know, every difficulty that comes our way, God can use to make us stronger. If we'll cooperate with him. God is so good at using our difficulties to strengthen our faith. To change our character. Become more like Jesus. To deepen our commitment to him. To purify our lives of things that don't belong there. Things that are going to cause us problems and destroy us. Again, a great story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul talks about how God gave him these tremendous revelations. And God says paraphrasing here, not the exact words. Paul, I'm afraid this is going to make you proud. So I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh. You probably heard that phrase before. Paul's thorn in the flesh. We have no idea what it was. Many people think it was something physical. It could have just been something uh, spiritual. But it does say specifically that God did it by letting Satan get involved. Satan was involved somehow. But Paul had this thorn in the flesh and he prayed three times. And I don't think it was like three quick prayers. I believe it was three seasons of prayer. And God didn't take it away. And finally, God says, you don't need to pray about it anymore because I'm not going to take it away. And, and I always like to say, listen, you got something you want to pray about? When do you stop praying? Don't stop praying about it until God tells you to stop praying about it. This is one of those cases where God <laughs> told him, won't do any good. Because this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10. Paul's testimony. 
So to keep me, Paul, from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, Paul can't be, can't be accused of preaching something he's not willing to live out. What he told the Thessalonians that we're looking at today, always thankful, always give thanks, give thanks in all circumstances. Paul says, I'm practicing that. I got some stuff in my life I don't like, but because of God's promise, I know he's going to give me the grace. I love what God told him because I believe that God not only told him that, but he tells us the same thing. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Basically saying, I will give you what you need to come through this and come out the other side victorious. In our weakness, God will make us strong. How many times as we've gone through life, especially when we were younger, when our parents made us do something, eat something, swallow something, and said, it'll be good for you. Right? Were they right? Yeah. Did we like it? No. I can't help but think God's up there sometimes. That's okay. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for you. In our weakness, God will make us strong. The last thing comes right out of that. It kind of just meshes together. Some would think it's the same thing. One of my favorite truths of God's word. Verse number four. Not verse, number four. God will bring good out of difficulty if we cooperate with him. God will bring good out of difficulty if we cooperate with him. There's a popular saying, everything happens for a reason. Kind of humorous. Slightly true. I've seen memes on Facebook. Um, Everything happens for a reason. In your case, the reason is because you did something stupid. It's coming back to bite you. you Paraphrase of what it says. But when I think of people who don't have a relationship with God, people just out there in general, and, and there's nothing wrong with the phrase, and it's fine for us as Christians to use too because there's a spiritual aspect to it. When we say something like everything happens for a reason, I can't help but think that that's sometimes an unbeliever, someone who doesn't have a relationship with God, has nothing else, no one else to really trust in to somehow have hope. That in the midst of all this stuff, there's got to be something good behind it because if not, is life really worth living? Everything happens for a reason. The world's way of trying to be positive and believe that some goods can come from the bad, but God's version is so much better because it's based on his character and an eternal truth that God will bring good out of difficulty. We find it in Romans 8, two specific verses. Romans eight eighteen, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Basically, what he's saying is if we're living for Jesus Christ, we've got a relationship with him, we're going to go through rough stuff. Jesus promised we would. He says, in this world, you have trouble. But I've overcome the world. But we have this promise. Paul says, whatever we suffer, and he suffered a lot. He says, when we get to heaven, we'll look back and say, that was nothing. That was nothing. 
Now, some of the things we go through, they don't seem like nothing right now. A death of a loved one, especially an unexpected death. Some of the other things we talked about, crises, physical, uh, financial, whatever it might be. But when I came into the building this morning and certain things happened and didn't happen and whatever, I thought of this illustration. You've probably noticed, those of you that are in the building, that one of our screens is blank. If you didn't notice, we'll pray for your eyesight. We've got two projectors. A few minutes before the service, they came to tell me, they says, listen, one of the projectors is not working this morning. It seems to be on the fritz. They're going to try to fix it after service. And I said, don't worry about it. But I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating to our tech team. It was frustrating to Pastor Nate because he spent all that time making that video. He wanted everybody to see it really good. He didn't tell me that, but I could tell that was frustrating him. Makes it more difficult for the people on this side to see and to the words and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? In the big scheme of things, it's not significant. We'll get it fixed. It's just a blip. It's just a bump in the road. Can I tell you in a very real way, and this may be hard to relate to, but in eternity, in the light of eternity, whatever we suffer in this life, it's just a blip in the road. It's like the screen didn't, the projector didn't work this morning. But it's not really that big a deal. Now, I'm not trying to make light of the difficulties you're facing. I'm just saying try to see them in light of eternity. Try to see them in the, in the fact that God wants to bring good out of it. Romans 8.28 I read to you Romans 8.18. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God will work it out. All the previous examples we talked about, Jesus and the cross. Jesus found joy facing the cross, knowing what would happen. The cross was the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the human race, but it was the best thing that ever happened in the history of the human race. We think of Paul and Silas rejoicing in the prison and God did the supernatural, set them free. Many, many more people came to know Jesus. We think of Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers, going through such heartache, suffering, but it saved his whole family, which became the nation of Israel. I can't help but think in light of all the stuff we faced in the last year or so and recently the difficulties, the frustrations, we have a choice to make. Pastor Jan and I have personal things that we face, fortunately not with each other, but frustrations and stuff and we got to deal with. And as the pastor of this church, we got stuff as a church that we face that are frustrating. We got to deal with and needs and those things are always true. But we have a choice to make. We've decided to be thankful, to focus on God's goodness, to focus on God's faithfulness, knowing that God has a reason and a plan that's for our good. And as we wrap this up this morning, I want to challenge you to do the same thing this week of Thanksgiving, but not just this week, but work really hard if it's not already there to make this part of your lifestyle. Always thankful. Wouldn't it be great if a year from now, two years from now, people that would know us would say, you know something about that person? They're always so thankful. Can I tell you, it leads to other things. It leads to joy. We're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. We're pleasing God. We're pleasant to be around. We're a great witness to the people around us. There's an old song. We're not going to sing it, but I wrap it up with this. In fact, I think I've heard Sister Pat sing this before. It's called, In Everything Give Thanks. It says, In the good times, praise His name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the King of Kings all the thanks. 
This is what I want to do. Let's all stand together. I'm going to invite our elders, our prayer team, pastoral staff that are available to come down. In just a moment, our worship team is going to lead us in a song. And if you have needs, you want us to pray with you about anything. You want to come to know Jesus, come down. We want to introduce you to him and pray with you about that. You need healing. You need anything. You've got one of those difficult situations that's going on. Or maybe it's not you, but somebody you love and you want us to join with you to pray for them. Invite you to come down and do that. So if our elders could come, please, our prayer team. But before we do that, let's just take a minute to practice what God just told us through his word to say, thank you, Jesus. Let's just praise him. Lord, we love you today. God, we praise you. We thank you. You are so good. Even in the midst of our difficulties, Lord, and we could make a list right now. You have been, you are, and you will be faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, I just encourage you to think of specific things in your own life and in your own mind to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to continue that. But if you want prayer, come down. We'll pray with you. And in just a couple of moments, we'll close the service. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you, God. Oh, we thank you for that encouraging word today. That no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, God, you are for us. You are with us. And we will praise you in the hard times, in the good times. We thank you, Jesus. And God, I just speak a blessing over this congregation as they walk out of the doors of this church. May they walk out with their heads held high, their shoulders back, knowing, oh God, that you are for them. You are with them, oh God. Help us to walk in your grace and your strength. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 